What's up, everyone? Welcome. It is the one-year anniversary of WFS, The Will Ford Show. This is episode 47, and it is officially one year to the day since my first episode. Man, I, I've, I think I've come a long way. I, I hope I've come a long way. I, I hope I've gotten better. I hope I've been more enjoyable to listen to uh, for those of you who have been listening the whole time. Uh, and those of you who are new and have just started listening recently, listen to some of my old ones and compare to now. I mean, I think there's I think there's definitely a big difference. There's certainly a big difference in mic quality from the first 40 episodes to the last seven. It's because I got a new mic. But Man, it, I can't believe it's been a year since I started this podcast. This was something that I've been wanting to do forever. And to think that I've been doing it for a year now, it's it's crazy, man. And I'm, I'm doing everything I want to do in school right now. I, I'm on my way to, to the career I want to pursue. I, I can't believe it, man. It's been a year. You guys excited? Because I'm excited. It's been a freaking year, man. It's been awesome. It's been a great year. I think I've had some great episodes. I probably had some terrible ones in there. I'm sure there's some there's some bad episodes in in the 47 that I've done. But hey, I, I think I've put out some pretty good stuff. Some stuff that a lot of people enjoyed. Uh, this podcast... <laughs> was partly responsible for getting my journalism scholarship at, at Muskingum University. This is this is what I sent in. And they gave me a scholarship based on this and obviously based on other things as well, but you know, this is what I gave them. This is the sample of work I gave them and I'm really proud of the work I've done in a year. I wish I would have done more episodes. There was times where I was really inconsistent. But I mean, that comes with school and, and work and, and things like that. So I hope you guys can understand that. But I'm certainly trying to be better each and every week and each and every episode. Man, I'm, I just can't believe it that I've come this far. We're a year in. Many more years to come. But what I want to do is I want to go over some of the best and worst takes from my first episode, December 10th of 2017, exactly one year ago to the day. So this is a segment that I call Where Will Was Right and Where Will Was Wrong. Let's start with Baker Mayfield. He's still probably going to be one of the top quarterbacks taken off the board, but he won't be in the top three quarterbacks, I don't think. I think he'll be behind Josh Rosen. Sam Darnold, and Josh Allen if he comes out this year. Maybe even Lamar Jackson, to be honest. That was a terrible take by me. Absolutely awful. Baker Mayfield selected first in the draft. And obviously what I was talking about there was in reference to um, Baker Mayfield's Heisman Trophy winning season. Uh, I talked a little bit about uh, his maturity at that time, the whole crotch grab against Kansas a year ago. And I talked about how that, I thought that that was going to hurt his draft stock. It clearly didn't. Number one pick in the draft, and right now the best quarterback out of the five that were selected, 
Lamar Jackson was last. Josh Allen was second to last. It went Baker, Darnold, Rosen, Allen. No, actually, it went Allen, Rosen, and then uh, Lamar Jackson. I was clearly wrong. Baker Mayfield is definitely the best quarterback that was taken in this draft. We'll see down the line how good he is. I think he's probably going to be the still the first or second best quarterback out of that whole entire class uh, by by the end of all of their careers. I think Sam Darnold has a really bright future, but I was dead wrong about Baker Mayfield. Uh, he he doesn't really have a personality issue. He's just got some moxie about him, man. He's got some confidence, and you know I like that. I like that about him. He's been playing really well, and he's led this Browns team to a five seven and one record. I mean, they still they're still in the hunt for the playoffs. I was dead wrong about <laughs> about May- Baker Mayfield. So that was where Will was wrong. Let's take a look at where Will was right. And to me, this season proves exactly why the playoff should be ex- should be expanded to eight or more teams. They've been talking about this after since the first year of the playoff of expanding the playoff to eight eight teams or more. And people want to expand the playoffs to eight teams because of all the arguments when deciding who should be in the top four. But expanding it will actually make things worse and only intensify the arguments for for teams sitting in the 7, 8, 9, 10 range. Expanding the playoff doesn't make anything any better. It'll make things a lot worse. But since I want to host my own show and I want to get into the debate business, like and I'm like I want to be in the argument business, I'm all for expanding the playoff. This is this would be a perfect move because it would just create so many more arguments. And I have an example. All like clubs that are very exclusive, people like you and me know we're not going to get in. But as soon as you start letting in our friends and our neighbors, we get a little mad because we feel like they're our equals. Like imagine a country club that only lets billionaires be members. People know they're not going to get in because it's for billionaires. But when you start letting in millionaires and friends of millionaires, the arguments for who should be allowed in get more heated. Here's another example. Imagine we did a college football playoff of fast food chains. And if you take the top three based on sales, okay, McDonald's, no argument there. There are the, the king of burgers. Well, that's a bad analogy because of Burger King, but you get my point. Starbucks, number two. And number three, Subway. You can't argue those three as the top three. But the minute you add a fourth fast food chain, look what happens. Number four, Burger King. You have two... Fast food chains in the top four 
that sell mostly burgers. Has anyone ever heard of Wendy's? Wendy's, when they see that Burger King gets in, holy crap, you're not going to include the Baconator? Burger King has the Whopper and the Flame Grilled Burger. You're not going to include the Crispy Chicken Sandwich, a Frosty. So there's a whole argument there between Wendy's and Burger King. But then when you expand it to eight teams, Wendy's get it gets in. And people like or people restaurants like Taco Bell will get in. But then when you get to number eight, a whole nother set of arguments uh, take place. Chick-fil-A is at number eight. You're telling me you're not going to have a pizza chain? No Pizza Hut? No Domino's? No Panera Bread? No KFC? Those, those fast food chains have legitimate arguments because people love pizza we live in America. You're not going to put a pizza a pizza chain in the top eight. You're not going to put you're not going to put KFC a chicken place. No chicken place in there. I mean, you have Chick Fil A, but you're not going to put KFC KFC in over Chick Fil A. And I love the two guys in the Sonic commercials. You're not going to put Sonic in. Sonic's a pretty popular place. And Chipotle, everybody loves. Once you get to 12, 13, 14, Chipotle, Sonic, and Domino's, they'll have legitimate arguments to get in. So you see, expanding expanding the playoff is only going to create more arguments. It'll settle the top four. It'll settle the top four, five, and six. But once you get to seven, eight, and nine, it gets, it just intensifies even a, a lot more arguments. It gives, it gives teams this now sense of hope that they can get in when you expand it. It goes, it goes back to the to the country club example. When you start letting in millionaires with billionaires, and then you let the friends of millionaires get in, you get upset. The arguments for who should be allowed in get more heated when your friends are being invited and your neighbors, you get upset because you feel like you're equal to them and you should be invited too. So when you, when you want to add more teams, it only intensifies the arguments and I'm all for it. And this is exactly, this is exactly what I was talking about last week. The playoffs should be expanded. We have a team undefeated UCF, undefeated for the past two seasons, not getting respected. Granted, they're not a Power 5 conference team, but they're undefeated. They've played some good teams in the past couple years. And, you know, they, they deserve a chance to be in. Ohio State, I think, is better than Oklahoma. I think they should be in. I think you have to expand the playoff to eight teams. This is that example that I provided a year ago, dead on accurate, still believe it to this day. And it's, it's correct, but yes, it's only going to intensify the arguments, but 
some of these teams need to be in, man. <laughs> They've got to be in. I'm I'm tired of having the same arguments every year about the number three and four team. I think you have to you have to make sure that those top seven teams are in, and then you can fight over the eighth because no one's going to care about the eighth as much. Although I do appreciate the arguments, I think you're going to have your top tier teams in, and you give your your UCFs a chance. I think UCF, I believe they're sitting at seven or eight. They would likely get in. The committee doesn't respect UCF and expanding the playoff, I think, gives them a shot. It, it provides a path for them to the playoff to show that they are they are the self-proclaimed national champions. That's what they proclaimed themselves last year. I think I think you got to expand the playoff. I, I think that's dead on accurate 100%. So let's keep it going. Let's take a look at another where Will was right or where Will was wrong. The Cleveland Browns finally fired their general manager, Sashi Brown. It is about time. They hired John Dorsey, former GM of the Kansas City Chiefs and Green Bay Packers, who is a great uh Find by the way, he is the guy that brought Travis Kelsey to the Kansas City Chiefs. So if he can bring a guy like that to a team, imagine what he can do to help the Browns. Now, what needs to change in order for this to work? They need to stop drafting quarterbacks. Deshaun Watson or Deshaun Kaiser rather has shown you this year that he can play. He can definitely play. He can throw the ball down the field. He throws nice, tight spirals. He's got great mobility in the pocket. And he's got a tremendous arm. He's shown you that he can play. He throws a lot of picks, but he doesn't really have a lot of receiver help. He just got Josh Gordon back last week. So when the timing kind of gets together with that and the chemistry, that'll be better. But he's shown you he can play. So drafting a quarterback this year is out of the question if I'm John Dorsey. And I think he knows that. I think he's smart enough to know that. And they need to keep Hugh Jackson, which they are actually going to do. They're keeping Hugh Jackson because Hugh Jackson is not a bad coach. Yes, he's only won one game in the two years he's been there, or almost two years he's been there. So one would think... Fire him. One win in two years, that's totally fireable. No, it's not. It's definitely not. He- <laughs> There's, uh, I probably should have started with that one. That's just too fun. I mean, that's not even... I, I'm embarrassed that I said that. Deshaun Kaiser. Ah, Deshaun Kaiser's awful. He was terrible then. He's terrible now. He's, oh my God. I cannot believe I even said that. I should have started that one. Man, that's too funny. That's just awful. Oh man. Oh gosh. And, and not fire and Hugh Jackson. I mean, at the time, I think it was the right move to keep him at the time. Uh, and he, he was certainly okay to start the year, but. I mean, things really went downhill in a hurry. And without Hugh Jackson, Baker Mayfield's playing a lot better. 
And yeah, I mean, I was just completely dead wrong. And oh my God, that's, that's terrible. That is awful. That is definitely where Will was wrong. I mean, God, that was awful. Let's go one more where Will was right. Sunday Night Football on NBC. The Ravens taking on the Steelers in Pittsburgh. The Ravens have an excellent defense. Their offense is not that great, but their defense is top five in the league, in my opinion. But Big Ben at home, prime time, is something else. Big Ben at home. He is something special. He is really, really good at home. Primetime, Sunday night, Monday night, Thursday night, at home, Heinz Field. He's always going to put up good numbers, and nine times out of ten, the Steelers are going to win. But I have my concerns with the Steelers. Um, this this season, I mean, late in the year this year, they're, they're really falling off. They lost to the freaking... Two and ten Raiders. Two and ten Raiders, and you lost. Big Ben was hurt out a quarter and a half, and Mike Tomlin didn't want to put him back in because it wasn't in the flow of the game, whatever that means. I mean, they Chris Boswell has regressed mightily. He sucks. Chris Boswell needs to be cut immediately. James Conner is injured, and that's obviously hurting them, but don't get me wrong. James Conner is a nice back. He's really good. He's probably a top 15 back in the league, but he's not a late. He's not Le'Veon Bell. The Steelers need Le'Veon Bell and they don't have him. And James Conner's fine. He's okay, but he's not Le'Veon. Let's just be honest. Let's just get that out there. I think we all knew that. Steelers, it's not looking good for them. Luckily, the Ravens lost to the Chiefs in a close one in overtime. So that keeps them ahead. But, like, honestly, what the, the Steelers have the Bengals coming up. They've got the Saints they've, and they've got the Patriots. They play the Patriots next week. I mean, that's tough, man. That's some tough sledding in the next three weeks. Bengals, you know. Bengals aren't a very good team, but it's a division rivalry. So you never know what can happen in a division rivalry. I mean, the Cowboys almost got beat by the Eagles. We're getting to that later. But the the Steelers don't look good, man. If Big Ben's not playing at home and it's not a primetime game, then the Steelers are going to lose more often than not. And that's been the case recently. All right, so that was the really the, the best and worst moments of episode one exactly one year ago. I had some good takes, but I had some really, really bad takes. But, man, that's the beauty of a one-year journey. Is you, just, you just see how, how much you grow. And I'm sure I'm going to have some terrible takes in the future. I've probably had some terrible takes in some recent episodes, but... I mean, some of those were were pretty bad. All right, let's jump in 
to episode 47. Well, actually, we're in episode 47, but let's jump into some newsworthy things for this week, December 10th of 2018. Um, So the NBA tonight, Heat at Lakers, and the reason why this is so important is because it's LeBron and Dwayne Wade's uh, last ever head-to-head matchup. It's going to be the end of an era for the class, the the draft class of 2003. Dwayne Wade's retiring after this season. LeBron's still got a couple years left. But... It's going to be something special, man. 10.30. Heat at Lakers, man. That's going to be a really good game. I'm going to watch that. That's going to be pretty emotional uh, for both of those guys. It was kind of like... It it almost has a similar feel of Kobe versus LeBron for the last time, but Dwayne Wade and LeBron have so much more history with each other. I mean, they played in the Eastern Conference together for their entire careers. They were both drafted in 03. They were teammates for a number of years on the Heat, won a couple championships together, have battled each other in the playoffs. And, you know, it's the end of an era. The only way they would meet again is if the Heat and the Lakers met up in the finals, which is just so impossible. It's not even funny. But that's going to be something special, man. And I'm looking forward to it. D-Wade for the last time versus LeBron. And then one more quick note. Luka Doncic. I I had Trey Young as my rookie of the year earlier, uh, about a month or so ago. uh, When I was doing my NBA award predictions, Trey Young was my rookie of the year. But God, Luka Doncic has been balling out recently. He's been balling out. And a game a couple uh, it was a couple days ago against the Houston Rockets. They were down eight, and Luca scored eleven points in a row. Eleven zero run by himself, Luca versus the Rockets, and the Mavs ended up winning the game. Number one, it shows how bad the Rockets are. But number two, Luca. I mean, Luca is so good, and. Mark Cuban has found his next European after Dirk Nowitzki. And I just want to say, it's really hard uh, to, to gauge how good a European player is going to be. It's, it's tough to figure that out. Uh, it's like the quarterback position in the NFL. It's really, really difficult to nail that quarterback position. And overseas, there's a ton of, of really good players. But when they, none of them, not a lot of them translate to the NBA game. Uh, the 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 talent level over there is not as high as over in, uh, over here in the NBA. The, the competition, you know, it just isn't as good. The product isn't as good. So when you have those kind of players like a uh, like a Luka Doncic or a Kristaps Porzingis, if you can find those guys and you take a chance on them. And they pop, you've nailed it. Christoph Sprzingis is a is a rising star. Luka Doncic looks to be a superstar in the making. It's it's difficult to nail draft picks in the NBA. It's really difficult, especially with European players, just because you don't know. 
You just don't you don't have a lot of game film on them, first of all. And secondly, you just don't know what the level of competition is like overseas compared to in the college game in the United States. It's really difficult to gauge. Really difficult. And it looks like the Mavs have nailed it with Luka Doncic. And he's definitely... I mean, I, I mean can I change my pick? Can I, can I change my NBA Rookie of the Year pick? From Trey Young to Luka Doncic? Can I do that? I'm just kidding. I'm not going to do that. That wouldn't be fair. But... I'll stick with Trey Young because that's what I said originally. But Luka Doncic, man, he's just a beast. All right. On to the NFL. Primetime predictions. I'm three for four this week with the Vikings playing Seattle tonight. I'll take Seattle. Uh, I'll take Seattle by a touchdown. It's going to be in Seattle. So you got the 12th man. You got all that going on. The weather. Uh, Well, Minnesota is cold too. So never mind. But. I simply, I just don't like Kirk Cousins. I don't trust him. He's a fine regular season quarterback. Once you get him in crunch time, primetime games, he just folds under pressure. And I don't, I just don't like the Vikings in this spot. They're, they're so talented, the Vikings are. And for them to be where they're at, sitting at 6-5-1, and one, that's really unfortunate for them. I mean, they're still in the wild card hunt, but they should be probably leading their division with as good as their defense was last year. And with as good as their offense should be this year. I mean, Kirk Cousins is, I think, barely better than Case Keenum. Barely. If at all. Far more expensive than Case Keenum. If I were the Vikings, I've mentioned this before, they should have kept Case Keenum. Um, But, I mean... The Vikings should be just a lot better than what they are. I'll take Seattle by a touchdown. I don't trust Kirk Cousins. And the Seahawks, they're a sleeper in the NFC, in my opinion. They've got a really tough, stingy defense. It's not the Legion of Boom, but it's still a good defense. And they have the number one rushing attack in football. They have a trio of backs with Chris Carson, Rashad Penny, and Mike Davis. Russell Wilson is having having a heck of a year. Least amount of passing attempts among all 32 starting quarterbacks that have started every game. There wouldn't be 32, but among all quarterbacks that have started every game this season, Russell Wilson has the fewest pass attempts, and he's got like, well, it was 29, I think, last I touched on this. But he's got over 30 touchdowns on the fewest pass attempts. He's just having a heck of a year, not re- not really being talked about. He's going to be a Hall of Fame quarterback one day. Seahawks are a sleeper team, and I know I wouldn't want to play them in the playoffs, uh, home or away, especially on the road. I don't want to play them, but I mean they're still a tough team that I wouldn't want to face at home either. The Rams. Took on the Bears in Chicago last night on Sunday Night Football. The Bears won 15-6. Jared Goff threw four picks. Uh, The defense didn't play that well. Although Mitch Trubisky did throw three interceptions, but he's coming off an injury. He's still not completely healthy. But, I mean, the Bears really took it to the Rams. Matt Nagy had an excellent play call. 
uh, it was a basically a run pass option. He had a defensive tackle in the backfield with him, run pass option with the defensive tackle, and he had an offensive lineman, eligible offensive lineman, go out and catch a touchdown pass. I mean, the play design, unbelievable. And to do it against Sean McVay, who's like the god of of play calling in the NFL right now. I mean, that's just icing on the cake right there to do it against him. And I think the Bears really sent a message to the Rams that like, hey, Rams, you guys aren't as good as you think you are. You know, the Rams, before the season started, they signed all these free agents, big market town. You know, they brought in Adamican Sue, Marcus Peters, Marcus, yikes, I can't talk. Marcus Peters, Akib Talib, and... And some of those guys and, you know, their team was really, really stacked defensively. They just, they brought in Dante Fowler at the trade deadline. Like they've got a lot of talented guys, but they don't play well together. They have great individual moments. They tend to be a little bit selfish defensively. And they're just not a cohesive unit. They're a talented group, but they're not cohesive. And offensively, Jared Goff has become a shell of himself. Granted, he played the Bears defense. It was cold outside. Excuse me. That was my phone, obviously. But as I was saying, like, Jared Goff kind of taking a step back. And I think in the playoffs, you know, especially, you know, we're in December, January, February, it's going to be cold. And if you get the Rams on the, I mean, they're not going to be on the road in the playoffs unless they play the Saints. But if you get them, you know, in a cold environment, you take them out of LA, you take them out of the palm trees, they're going to struggle. They're not going to play that well. They'll probably lose. Like, I think in the NFC, I think the Seahawks can definitely beat the Rams. I think the Cowboys can beat the Rams. The Saints obviously can beat the Rams. Um, Eagles, potentially, they play them uh, coming up, but Eagles are really depleted in the secondary. But I think earlier in the year, with health, the Eagles, I think, could have beat them. I mean, I just think the Rams have fizzled out. And I'm kind of off the Rams as a Super Bowl team. I think they're still a contender because they're so talented and they've got a great coach. but. I just don't think they're going to make it to the Super Bowl. They weren't my pick anyways, but I don't think they're, I don't even know if they're going to make it to the NFC championship. I really think they could take a slide here and potentially fall to third seed in the uh, NFC playoffs and, and the Cowboys or the Bears could propel in front of them. And I think that's, there. there is the potential for that. If the Rams, you know, don't pick it up because they've been kind of sleepwalking lately. I'm off the Rams as a Super Bowl team. And I mentioned the Cowboys. I think the Cowboys are a legitimate contender. I know I'm a Cowboys fan. And I've made that known on the podcast. This is not a Cowboys podcast, but I've made it known that I'm a fan. And so I may sound biased, but I mean... They beat the Saints, man. They beat the Saints. I think 
I think they're legitimate. I think they can beat any team. They take the they took firm control in the NFC East over the Eagles yesterday in a, in a thrilling game. Uh, and I just think that I just think they can beat anyone, and I think they are they are a contender, and there shouldn't be someone that can that should be taken lightly. Um, and some some numbers in that Cowboys Eagles game. Um, Dak Prescott had a overall, it was an okay game through the first for the through the first three quarters. Dak was awful. He struggled mightily. Uh, he had he went twenty five for thirty four, two hundred and twelve yards, no touchdowns, two picks, a passer rating of sixty four eight, and he lost a fumble. He he wasn't playing that well. He wasn't making good reads. He wasn't putting enough on the football. Wasn't taking enough off when he needed to. He just wasn't. He didn't have the touch. He was very careless in the pocket. His pocket awareness wasn't very good. And the the Cowboys were only up nine nothing. On the on the Eagles, but in the fourth quarter, Dak went 17 for 20, 243 yards, three touchdowns, no picks, and a passer rating of 156.9, near perfect. Through the first three quarters, Dak was probably playing as bad a game as he's played in his entire career. And then in the fourth quarter, he was sensational. Absolutely sensational. He was terrific. And it and it proves that the Cowboys, uh, in recent weeks, the Cowboys have been winning close games. It's been believed that and said that the Cowboys can only win close games. Dak's limited. He needs everything around him to be perfect. Needs the offensive line. Needs the running back. Needs a good ro- wide receiver. Needs a, a good defense. And while that still may be true, I think that's true for a lot of quarterbacks. They need a lot of things to be right. I mean, you, you can't have no offensive line or you're just going to be injured all the time. That's what happened with Tony Romo. Tony Romo didn't have as long as career as people would have liked because he was injured all the time because he had a terrible offensive line for the first 10, 11 years of his career. When his team was finally starting to get good and, and get their heads out of their butts, he was hurt. <laughs> and... You know, Dak has taken full advantage of what the Cowboys have built around him. I mean, if you think about it, Dak obviously came in the first year. The roster was loaded. They had a good year, 13-3, and and got beat by Aaron Rodgers in the playoffs, which isn't the worst thing in the world. Great year. Second year, had to deal with the Zeke, uh, the Zeke suspension. Handled it well, stepped in, kept the Cowboys' playoff hopes alive. They had to deal with the Dez situation. He was making noise. They got rid of him. He had to deal with that. And then overcoming the the notion that they didn't have a number one wide receiver and playing through that, keeping them above water, barely. I mean, Dak is a good quarterback. I think he's a very good quarterback. Does he have his limitations? Sure. I think a lot of quarterbacks have their limitations besides guys like Brady. Um, I think, well, I, yeah, I think just Brady. I think I don't think Brady really has any limitations. He's just so good every year. Um, but like Breeze has his limitations. He, if you get pressure in his face, he, he he falters. He struggles. You saw that against the Cowboys. 
uh, Aaron Rodgers has a, a diva attitude problem. Um, and Andrew Luck needs a lot of things to be good around him. He needs a lot of things to be above average for him to be good. So, I mean, Dak's not the only guy out here who needs everything to be perfect around him, or at least above average. I think Dak is ha- like Dak. Dak's never going to put up a ton of numbers, but he's extremely smart. He's got all the intangibles. He's got some of the tangibles. He doesn't have, you know, an elite. He doesn't have an elite arm talent and size and and all that. But he is really tough. He's strong, and he is really, really smart. And as long as you have the smarts and the toughness, your ability is going to get better. Now, would I pay Dak, Dak Prescott $28 million? No, I don't think he's a $28 million quarterback. I would pay him probably $22, $23 million. And I think that's fine. That's above the league average. The only reason why I wouldn't pay him $28 million is because you have so much talent around him that you're going to have to re-sign in the future. Amari Cooper, who had 200-plus yards receiving on 10 catches and three touchdowns, all three of those touchdowns came in the fourth quarter in overtime. Unbelievable. Amari Cooper and Dak have been amazing together. Every time that Dak throws to Amari, the numbers, it makes Dak look like an all-pro quarterback. I mean, what Amari's done for Dak is incredible. They need to re-sign him. Uh, Zeke's coming up. Defensive players like Jalen Smith's coming up soon. Byron Jones, Demarcus Lawrence, Leighton Van Der Esch in a couple years. They've got guys they need to re-sign. So Dak, I think Dak has the self-awareness to understand that, yo, I need some help. We need to re-sign these guys. I, instead of taking the 28, 29 million from you, let me take 21, 22, 23 at the most million dollars. And we'll get these other guys signed. And we've got a Super Bowl team. I think the Cowboys have a Super Bowl team with Dak at the helm. I I, I think that I think they do. Will they win it this year? I don't think so. I think the Saints and the uh and the Chargers and the Chiefs and the and the uh Patriots have better shots. But I think they've got a good team, and I think Dak's a good quarterback. So with that, we've actually got two Ford food chains this episode. You guys are lucky. I've put together two Ford food chains. This first one we're going to do is the top 15 quarterbacks in the NFL. So let's start with that. We're going to start from 15, work our way down to 1. And let's get into it. Number 15, I got Cam Newton. Really inconsistent, dealing with a shoulder injury, but I think it's just really consistency with Cam. And he, there's games where he's hot, and there's games where he's not. Number 14, Kirk Cousins. Don't love him. Uh, not great in primetime games, playoffs. Uh, he's just not. He's just not the guy. I don't really like him that much, but he's okay. 
And I made a mess. Uh, yeah, I made a mess of my list here. I have Cam Newton in two spots. I don't know what I did there. Hmm. Cam Newton was supposed to be 13. Jared Goff was meant to be 15. Yikes. Whoopsies. Well, Jared Goff is going to be 15. Goff's obviously young, got room for improvement, got a great head coach, great rep- weapons around him. But I think I think Goff has shown that he can be elite at times. But then games like yesterday where he falls flat. Obviously, Kirk Cousins, we just talked about Cam at 13. Number 12, Matt Ryan. Steve Sarkeesian has made a mess of Matt Ryan. I don't know what's going on. They need to get rid of Steve Sarkeesian. He needs to go back to Alabama or something. And Matt Ryan, they have too good of an offense to be as bad as they are. And I think Matt Ryan's just an—he's a B quarterback. He's—he's he's average, maybe even C plus to be honest with you. Number eleven, Deshaun Watson. I love Deshaun Watson a lot. Very mobile, smart. He—he uh, he runs the ball a little, little too much for me. He puts himself out there a lot, but I think he's very smart. He does the right things for the most part. And he's got a bright future ahead of him. And he's got this this Texans team in prime position for the playoffs. And I, I really like Deshaun Watson a lot. Number 10, Carson Wentz. Obviously having a down year this year. The Eagles lost Frank Reich and some other offensive coaches. But I mean, offensively, you got Nelson Aguilar, Alshon Jeffrey, Golden Tate, Zach Ertz. Obviously, the running game, you know, isn't there. They've they've lost a lot of runner, uh, running backs, but the offensive line, you know, is healthy. You've got a lot of talent on the outside, and Carson Wentz, for him to be having the year he's having, not it's not very good. And really, the Eagles haven't been very good, and they've been hung over from that Super Bowl. Number nine. This is where I put Dak Prescott. And, you know, I, I, I just talked about him. And I, I've said all I can say. I think he's good. He's on a good team. He needs help. Obviously, every quarterback needs a little help. I think he's a really good quarterback. Number eight, Ben Roethlisberger. Uh, we talked about him earlier as well. Great in primetime at, at home. But, I mean, Big Ben has been doing it for a long time. And, yes, he throws a lot of interceptions, but he throws the deep ball really well. Really gets a lot of receivers involved. Knows exactly where to put the ball for his his star players, like A.B., Juju. Juju is a star in the making, by the way. But the only problem with Big Ben is just he's a diva sometimes. But that's fine, I guess. Number seven, comeback player of the year, Andrew Luck. Or at least he's my comeback player of the year. Uh, Andrew Luck is, yeah, he's played pretty well this year coming off injury. Didn't think he was going to be that good. Uh, He's coming off that shoulder injury, but he's been really, really good. And I mean, yeah, I mean, there's not much else I can say. And then Patrick Mahomes, MVP at number six. 
That might be a bit of a surprise to a lot of you, but he, this is his first year as a starter. So, like, remember, Dak had an amazing rookie campaign. And then second year, he was kind of off a little bit. So, let's let's just... I'm pumping the brakes on Mahomes a little bit. I think he's a star quarterback. I think he's a stud. But I want to see a full season. I want to see some playoffs. I want him... I want to see another full season before I really put him in that top five, top three discussion as uh, as far as this quarterback debate. Number five, I'm going to put Phillip Rivers. Phillip Rivers is having a good year, a really good year. I've talked about him week after week. He has just been absolutely outstanding. Phillip Rivers is a beast, really underrated, going to be a Hall of Famer, I think. Just so good. Number four, Russell Wilson. I talked about him earlier as well. He's a Hall of Famer. He's a beast. And with the amount of pass attempts he's had, fewest in the league among quarterbacks who have started all, all every, every game this year, and have as many touchdowns as he has, as efficient as he has been, and plus with his mobility, his pocket presence, the offensive line's healthy, so he's healthy. Russell Wilson, man, he's so good. And then, no, and then the top three. This can be, uh, this is arguable. I think the top three is very arguable. Some people may have Aaron Rodgers at one, or Drew Brees at one, or Aaron, or Tom Brady at one. But this is what I got. I got Aaron Rodgers at number three. Bit of a diva. Got Mike McCarthy fired. We all know that. But this guy is immensely talented, and if you give him any kind of talent at all, he can make the most of it. But, you know, the one thing that's really holding him back is just his playoff resume. He just hasn't done anything in the playoffs besides that one Super Bowl like nine years ago. And then number two, I've got Drew Brees. Heck of a year. Second in line for MVP behind Mahomes, I think. And the accuracy of Drew Brees is something to behold. I mean, he sets the record every he like breaks his own record every year. It's insane. And they're my Super Bowl pick in the NFC. And then number 1, TB12, baby the goat. Not much else you can say. He's the goat. So that's the top 15 quarterbacks in the NFL according to me. And then now we're going to jump right in to our second Ford food chain. The top 10 teams in the NFL after week 13. Yeah. After week 13. No, after week 14, I'm sorry. So let's jump into it. Number 10. This is kind of, this is kind of tough for me. Number 10 was I'm going to put the Indianapolis Colts. They beat the Houston Texans this past weekend. That's a big win for them to keep them alive for the wild card. But Andrew Luck, as I mentioned, playing really well this year. T.Y. Hilton, the connection between him and T.Y. Hilton, plus Eric Ebron. It's been sensational. T.Y. Hilton had 199 yards receiving the other day, yesterday. So I just really like the Colts. I think they're going to make the playoffs as a wild card. I just like where they're at right now. Number nine, 
the team who I think is going to win tonight over the Vikings, the Seattle Seahawks. We've talked about it earlier. They've got the number one rushing attack in the league with that trio of backs. Russell Wilson, been extremely efficient. The defense has been stingy and good. Offensive line is healthy. The Seahawks have invested in it. This is a scary team, man. Scary team. Number eight, the Houston Texans. They're going to win their division, AFC South. We've got a good defense. J.J. Watt has resurged. Deshaun Watson has been efficient. He's healthy. Lamar Miller has come out of nowhere. He's been really good. I think this is just a good all-around team who at times just gets caught napping, and I think that's what the Colts did to him, caught them napping. But I think they're... I don't know if they're a legitimate contender, but I think they're a team that can steal a playoff game from somebody. Number seven, this may be a surprise to you all, but I'm putting the LA Rams there. Uh, I talked about it earlier. Jared Goff, I think, is taking a step back. Uh, The defense, they're a bunch of me guys instead of we guys. They don't play well together. Todd Gurley just, isn't seem he doesn't seem to be used as much recently. I don't think they're a Super Bowl team anymore. I don't think they're a Super Bowl caliber team. I think they're gonna win maybe a playoff game or or two, depending on the seeding. But I don't I don't know if they're gonna get to the NFC Championship game. I don't think they're going to the Super Bowl. I mean, we'll see. But right now I'm off the Rams. Number six, Dallas Cowboys. Dak Prescott uh, is, you know, he's had he he played really bad first three quarters against Philly, but he had a great fourth quarter. And with those stats, two, he had two forty four three touchdowns in the fourth quarter in overtime. Dak hadn't thrown three touchdowns in a game all year, and for him to do it in one quarter and play as well as he did, that's probably the best quarter of football he's played in his career. And the Cowboys are on a five-game win streak. And what's really scary about the Cowboys is they've beat a lot of teams in low-scoring affairs. Their defense has played outstanding in, in every game of late, and their offense just hasn't popped. They haven't been dominant offensively aside from that quarter yesterday. They haven't been dominant. They've been too inconsistent. They just haven't been consistent. So just think what the Cowboys can do with their defense playing at the level they've been playing and their offense playing lights out. Like Realistically, they should have blown out the Saints and blown out the Eagles. So just think what they could do with their offense and and defense playing in tandem together. And the Cowboys have proven they can win in different in, in multiple ways. They can suffocate teams with their defense and keep it low scoring. And they can win in a shootout. They've proven both. I think that's what makes them a really scary team, and they're number six on my list. Number five, the Chicago Bears. Mitch Trubisky's back. And when that when he comes back, they play better. Now, Mitch Trubisky, I think, is extremely limited as a quarterback. He's a one-read quarterback, very much still playing a college style. Matt Nagy has built a college-style offense around Trubisky. 
But it works. It works. They're leading their division. They're leading a division with the stacked Vikings and Aaron Rodgers. They're leading it. Matt Nagy is doing so much with so little offensively. Like Matt Nagy is doing so much more with so with so little, and uh, and Sean McVay has a lot, and he real and he's he's not done nearly as much as what Matt Nagy has done with as much as he's had. It's unbelievable the job Matt Nagy's done, and he's the coach of the year for sure. I think. I think he's got to be coach of the year. I said Andy Reid in my predictions, but man, Matt Nagy, the job he's done. Oh, man. Bears at five. Number four. These are the top four teams that are Super Bowl threats, Super Bowl contenders. Three of them are AFC teams. LA Chargers. I talked about them earlier. Phillip Rivers playing lights out. Melvin Gordon's out right now. But he's going to be back soon. They play the they play Thursday night in a huge game against the Chiefs. That determines first place in the AFC West. And that's huge because that would that deter, that could also determine first seed home field advantage throughout the playoffs. That's a huge game. We'll see how it goes. I'm really looking forward to it. The Chargers are just playing lights out right now, both sides of the ball. And if they could just get a kicker, consistent kicker, that'd be amazing. Number three, Kansas City Chiefs. I'm putting them there right now. They've got a better record. They beat the Chargers. But I think the loss of Kareem Hunt has certainly affected them. Pat Mahomes hasn't been as sharp. You know, they won a close one against the Ravens. But this is still a really good team that can score with the best of them. And as long as, you know, the guys on the outside stay healthy, we're going to monitor Tyreek Hill. He had a little bit of an ankle uh, injury against the Ravens. I don't think they're going to be a Super Bowl. I don't don't think they're going to get to the Super Bowl. I don't like their chances as much now without Kareem Hunt. But they're certainly still a good team. Number two, New England Patriots. Listen, man, they lost a a game to the Dolphins on a lateral Mary, a Hail Mary lateral play. I mean, I don't know what you call it. But you had Gronk out there playing deep safety just to play against the Hail Mary. And then you ended up asking him to make a tackle on Kenyon Drake. That's just not practical. Odds are that, I mean, that's the longest play. The longest play from scrimmage with zeros on the clock in the Super Bowl era to to win a game. I mean, that's, the odds of that happening to the Patriots again are, are zero. Less than zero. Less than zero. I say that now and it'll probably happen next week, but you know what I mean. That was a highly unlikely situation this Patriots really won that game. It was just a fluke play at the end. A fluke play. Granted, should should the Patriots probably put them away sooner? Sure. But it's a division rivalry game. Tom Brady always struggles. And the Patriots always struggle against the Dolphins in Miami. I mean, that's, that's just how it goes sometimes. And that's, I think it would be unfair 
for me to put the Patriots lower just because they lost to the Dolphins on a fluke play. Patriots at two. And then number one, still the New Orleans Saints, baby, my Super Bowl pick in the the NFC. Drew Brees playing amazing. Now, I do think he's rattled a little bit. I think the Cowboys rattled him a couple weeks ago. But they'll get back into it. A couple weeks left. They'll lock up first seed in the NFC, and they'll be fine. They're going to be good. And they're going to make it to the Super Bowl, and they're going to win it against the Chargers. All right, so that's the Ford Food Chain, everybody. Two lists this week. You guys were lucky. You caught some snippets from my very first episode ever. First ever segment of where Will was right, where Will was wrong. Some pretty funny stuff. But that's it for episode 47. One year, man. One year down. Many more to come, hopefully. Make sure you follow the show on Twitter. I've been a little bit lazy about tweeting. I'm sorry. But make sure you follow the show on Twitter at The Will Ford Show. Rate and review the show on iTunes. Uh, Subscribe on iTunes. Like and comment on SoundCloud. Follow me on SoundCloud as well. One year, baby. One year. And many more to come. Let's, uh, we'll see you guys in the next episode, episode 48. It's WFS. WFS.